0: Computer whiz kid, talented software developer, shrewd businessman, benevolent philanthropist, global health expert. There can be no doubt that Bill Gates has worn many hats on his remarkable journey from his early life as the privileged son of a Seattle-area power couple, to his current status as one of the richest and most influential people on the planet. But as we have seen in our exploration of Gates's rise as unelected global health czar and population control advocate, the question of who Bill Gates really is, is no mere philosophical pursuit. Given that we are currently living through a crisis that has been predicted by Bill Gates, which is triggering a response from the global health organizations that the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation has bankrolled, and driving us toward a vaccination and biometric ID solution, which Bill Gates has been working on for years... The answer to the question, who is Bill Gates, is quickly becoming one of the most important questions of our lives. That answer will not only tell us about the world that we are living in, but about the one that we are being thrust into, and how we can avoid it. Today we will attempt to answer that question as we examine the motives, the ideology, and the connections of this man who has been so instrumental in shaping the post-coronavirus world. Meet Bill Gates. Tuned into the Corbett Report.
1: This is Dan Dix here, reporting for Press for Truth. And if you have not yet seen James Corbett's latest documentary titled Who is Bill Gates, I got to say it is an absolute must see. It is being broken down into a four part series. Part one is called How Bill Gates Monopolized Global Health, part two is Bill Gates' Plan to Vaccinate the World. Part three is Bill Gates and the Population Control Grid. And part four is Meet Bill Gates. And I would have to say this is the most important film in our current time in this post-COVID 1984 world. And I would suggest it's going to be the most important film in the foreseeable future as we move forward and continue to, to navigate this coronavirus world. And joining me on the line right now is the director, the writer, narrator, and producer behind the film, James Corbett. Corbett CorbettReport.com is the website. James, thank you so much for joining us here at Press for Truth. Let me just start off by saying on behalf of myself and and the audience at Press for Truth and anybody who's been navigating this space, thank you so much for taking the time to compile such a fantastic documentary that really needed to be made. It's so well-researched. It's so well uh, presented, and I, I dare anybody to debunk it. It's just an absolutely phenomenal piece, so kudos to you and Brock West for putting together such a fantastic production. You guys should be proud. Now, I want to talk about some of the aspects of the film, what what people can expect if, if they haven't seen it yet, but before we get into that, maybe we could start with a question, why Gates? I mean, why did you decide to spend a pretty good chunk of your time uh, doing all this research and and the, the effort that goes into producing something like this to focus on one particular man and his particular ideology? How did you come to the conclusion that Bill Gates was worthy of your time?
0: that is an excellent question i'm glad you started with that because it's an important question to get to the bottom of and i think it should be self-evident once people start watching part one how bill gates monopolized global health that it is impossible to come across any part of this undeveloping covid 19 agenda that is playing out it's not a news story it is an agenda and i think we all see that but for people who are starting to research it you cannot uh, uh, turn over any stone along this path without finding some sort of Gates-sponsored person or researcher or Institution uh, behind it. I mean, it's just absolutely Gates influence is absolutely everywhere on this story Which is of course the first thing that I started noticing when I began researching all of this information and, and trying to get a handle on this coronavirus world order and I had of course, noticed that in previous years, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and seen its various funding activities. But it's really when you start to put it all together and go, oh, okay, how about this? Yep, there's Gates. Uh, How about this? There's Gates. How about this? There's Gates. How about this? There's Gates. And when you start to just itemize it, it becomes self-evident that Gates's influence is incredible in this space, which is why we have to be focusing on this at this moment. But having said that, if all people take away from this documentary is that it is Bill Gates that is doing all of this Then I have failed in my part as a documentary filmmaker and I hope that becomes Evident towards the end of the final part of this series where I want to underline and underscore the point that Yes, Bill Gates is absolutely one of these hubs and we can find so many different spokes uh, Going off of that hub and so it's a good way of of sort of encapsulating what is happening right now but it is not Bill Gates himself. He is not the supervillain that is directing everything. He's just one way of getting a handle on the bigger agenda that is playing out and that bigger agenda has to do with an ideology, which I believe Gates is an adherent to, but he's not the only one and that's the point. There are many people that are working towards an ideology ultimately of centralization of control in the hands of a very few because they are fit to rule over us mere peons. That is the ideology that is driving this. And that's what I wanted to get to the bottom of. But if I started at that point and just said, oh, this is all about this, it would not be very convincing to anyone who wasn't already aware of that agenda. So I thought Gates was a good way of getting a handle on that. Here's a recognizable figure. Everyone knows, everyone sees, everyone has some sort of opinion on. Let's explore that and see how we can uh, tease out the different parts of this agenda, put it together, and then hopefully present in a way that even people who starting off this documentary may not be convinced, hopefully by the end, they will start to see the bigger picture.
1: Well, I thought the last 10 minutes of part four, the end that you talk about was unbelievably profound, unbelievably important for people to understand, which I want to expand on a little bit, as you say that it's not necessarily the man, but it's more so the ideology. But before we get into how it all ended, let's talk a little bit about how, how all this began, because I think there's a bit of a misconception out there amongst the general population as to how this man came about most people think that he is just this genius who managed to find his way into these certain circles and he worked his way from the bottom to the top but your research has uncovered that that's not necessarily the case is it he had some pretty influential parents what could you tell us about his early life and how he started to become the man he is today well I think certain
0: parts of this story are fairly well known among people who know a little bit about computer history, um, including the fact that for example, ms-dos, which was not Microsoft's first product, but one that obviously was an incredibly important one for uh, on the stepping stone towards becoming a billionaire uh, and Microsoft's relationship with IBM uh, was not created by Bill Gates. It was not his invention because he was such a genius. It was essentially it was bought um, licensed from another, uh, person at a, working at a local hardware store, actually, in Seattle. Uh, they managed to, to license it from him. It was called QDOS. It was literally Quick and Dirty Operating System because it was just basically a placeholder that they had in place. Uh, all of this had to do with, because of a deal that Microsoft was working on with IBM and the operating system part of it fell through, so they had to scramble to get something and blah, blah, blah. But the the underlying point part of that story that I don't think a lot of people are aware of is the reason that IBM which uh, it's it, it, from from today's perspective in 2020 perhaps it's not as 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 understandable but 40 years ago IBM was big blue it was i mean it, it was one of the biggest corporations imaginable and in the computer space i mean there was nothing else like it and so when IBM started to move into the personal computer space which was just coming out as a result of the microcomputer revolution, it was a top secret project they were working on. I, I believe they called it Project Chess or something like that. Um, and and so they were, of course, signing non disclosure agreements with everyone they went to. And they went specifically to Bill Gates of Microsoft, which at the time was operating out of Albuquerque, New Mexico. Why? How did IBM, this gigantic corporation, end up at Bill Gates' doorstep? And the missing piece of that puzzle is because. As it turns out, and as was actually admitted, even in the mainstream, I do link in the transcript, which, by the way, footnote, my tr- the transcript for my documentary at, at corporatereport.com gates, where you can find downloads, audio, video, and the complete transcript for the entire documentary, hyperlinked with all the sources, I include a link specifically to a New York Times, I believe it's an obituary for uh, Gates's mother, Mary Maxwell Gates, which in that transcript, in that uh, New York Times obituary, admits that the reason that ibm ended up going to bill gates in the first place was because mary mary maxwell his mother was sitting on the board of the united way with ibm ceo john opel and she said can you help out my son and i include a clip from a documentary uh in in my documentary where There's a marketing executive who was working for IBM at the time who's talking about the fact, yeah, we got this order from up on high from the CEO to say, go help this guy, Bill Gates. And so, you know, as he says, you know, the, the CEO says that. And the next thing you know, Monday morning, 900 people get on a plane to go down to help this guy in Albuquerque. And he goes on and elaborates and says, basically, IBM helped Microsoft develop QDOS into MS-DOS he he elaborates on that more and again the link to that will be in the transcript of my documentary But uh, that's kind of the missing piece of this puzzle. It wasn't because Bill Gates was such a super genius It's because he had connections specifically through his mother
1: Now correct me if i'm wrong, but wasn't it ibm who way back then was responsible for keeping track of the jewish people during the holocaust and 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 that 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 eugenicist movement Meanwhile, when we have uh, the mother meeting with people from IBM and the father being involved in Planned Parenthood, it sounds like th- this is a, a family, a, a bloodline based on the, uh, the eugenics ideology. So um, what would you say is Bill Gates' ideology and is it coming from his parents? Because it seems to be that the, essentially it can be broken down to eugenics.
0: Uh, I yes, ultimately that is where this documentary goes, and I hope I provide some interesting um, perspectives on that and some some pieces of that puzzle. You're right to bring in IBM's history, corporate history, uh, for example, as detailed by Edwin Black in IBM and the Holocaust, talking about how the Hollerith punch card uh, system was the IBM Hollerith punch card system was absolutely essential to the automation of I uh, of the what Nazi Germany was doing in terms of categorizing uh, as, uh, Taking a census of and then rounding up people by neighborhood uh, based on uh, whatever categorization Jewish or homosexual or gypsy or whatever all of this was Uh, located in these punch cards, which then automated the entire process and made it possible to be able to round up millions of people at the push of a button, uh, literally. So uh, that is an important part of that story, that sort of backstory of IBM and its previous involvement, and perhaps why it's interesting that it then gives rise, ultimately, to Bill Gates and Microsoft. And as I go on to elaborate in the documentary, of course, Bill Gates and the Gates family have some interesting connections to eugenics and the eugenics philosophy one of the most tantalizing of which and i'm going to make a video about this But i'll let your viewers know about it first of all um, Is a, a point that I just make in passing in the documentary because it's Something that was just so crazy that I stumbled across in the course of researching this And I tried and tried and tried and literally I found this at like one in the morning And I could not go to sleep until I found Got to the bottom of this nugget. I found a uh, 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 American Eugenic Society member register that included a William H Gates as a card carrying member of the American Eugenic Society at its founding in the 1920s, and I, I William H Gates, of course, for people who don't know, Bill Gates is William H Gates the uh, third. Actually, technically, he is the fourth because his great grandfather was also a William H Gates, but he is called the third. Uh, his father senior as he is now known as the second, his grandfather was William H. Gates, William Henry Gates, um, and was around in that time in the 1920s, could have been the William H. Gates on the member roster of the American Eugenic Society. However, I couldn't, I tried and tried, but could not get to the bottom of determining, is this William H. Gates, the same William H. Gates as uh, Gates' grandfather? I couldn't make a, a determination on that. There is one piece of evidence that at least suggests that he is not, because uh, I, there was one listing of a Professor William H. Gates at you know, Louisiana University or something like that, which would not be uh, Gates' grandfather. But I, I don't know. I found that to be particularly interesting. But beyond that, there are many different points that show that I think Gates is, is driven by and, and motivated by a eugenics-based philosophy, which is particularly disturbing for people who know about the history of eugenics, what that ideology entails, and then to have this man This man in particular, an adherent to the eugenics philosophy, at least in my estimation, being the person who is this philanthropist who's going around giving billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars behind every global health body and every institution and every vaccination drive being run by the WHO and others. uh, Here's this man in particular who's going to save the world and, and help all these poor, starving children all around the world who he cares so much about. Well, if if it is true that he is a eugenicist, then we have to get to the bottom of that because that truly goes absolutely in the face of the professed uh, reasons for giving giving away his fortune, which, as I point out repeatedly during the documentary and want to underline once again, he, he is not giving away his fortune per se. He is actually making a fortune uh, during the course of his decade of vaccines that he announced in 2010 with the uh, commitment of $10 billion from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation to various vaccination programs. Uh, from that the time of the launching of that decade of vaccines to now, which I guess is the culmination of the decade of vaccines, Bill Gates' net worth has doubled from $50 billion to $100 billion. He's such a generous philanthropist giving away all his money, but his personal net worth is now doubled in the past decade. Puzzle me that to all the people who think this is some g- generous, benevolent saint going around giving away his money from on high.
1: Well, another point that you made in the film about the fact that he's not all so saintly is in terms of population control. And you made the point in the film that let's not necessarily look at that in terms of numbers and death count, birth rate, and things like that. But maybe we ought to start thinking about that in terms of controlling the general population. So, can you speak to that a little bit? Because there's Multiple aspects to this population control agenda. And I'm really glad you brought up that point in the film when it comes to actually Controlling people who are currently alive today. Can you speak to that?
0: Yes, I definitely wanted to underline that point because it is something that I think a lot of people have heard and and probably already have an opinion on one way or another with regards to Bill Gates and population control in the sense of these vaccines and sterilization and and uh, all of those implications which I do talk about in the uh, documentary, I do point out that as Bill Gates and uh, his representatives constantly underline whenever they're talking about this subject, it by lowering the death rate uh, of, especially the the child death rate in developing countries, you will actually lower the population increase because parents will have fewer children because their children will survive to adulthood, so they don't have to have eight children, kind of thing. That is the official reason why doing good work on vaccines will actually reduce population growth, at least according to Bill Gates. And and that is a fair point, logical enough, if it is true. I, I don't know if specifically the research. He's, he can see he cites Hans Rosling on that as his source for that information, um, which is troubling in and of itself, because, side note, I, I do point in the first part of the series to The Lancet, um, which back a decade plus ago was already talking about the fact that, isn't it, Isn't it at least a little bit disturbing, even if this is a saint who's doing this all for the best purposes, isn't it a little bit disturbing that these billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars that can completely redirect the course of global health as it is being practiced is subject to the whims of this this man, Bill Gates and his family and sort of whatever comes across their plate and whatever they're reading at the moment becomes their next passion. Even if he was completely on the level and totally doing this for great causes, it's still a horrible way to run this incredible investment that can completely, drastically alter the course of uh, human history. Ultimately, so that's that's one of the points. Oh, so he read some article by Hans Rosling saying uh, if you do a good job with vaccinations, you can reduce population growth, and then has taken that as the basis for his decade of vaccines, at least ostensibly on the record. That in and itself, in and of itself, should be troubling. But yes, I wanted to point out the that population control has a double meaning. It's not just about controlling the increase or or lack thereof in population. It is also about literally controlling the population, centralizing power in the hands of fewer and fewer people to be able to control every aspect of people's lives. And that takes a surprising turn that I don't think is intuitive. And I think a lot of people still don't understand. But that, that turn that it takes is that literally from vaccinations, it's just one step towards a biometric identification database of everyone on earth. What? That sounds like, what What do those even have to do with each other? And yet, nevertheless, the Gates founded and funded Gavi Alliance, which is a vaccine alliance that unites the World Health Organization and other public uh, uh, health bodies with the big pharma industry in order to, as they themselves state, create "Quote unquote healthy markets for vaccines." You can't make this stuff up. They say it themselves. It's crazy. But uh, in that Gavi alliance, which of course is it, they're they're just trying to immunize the the poor brown babies everywhere around the world, right? Oh, and by the way, in the last few years, they have started taking up this crusade of forming biometric identity databases, and they've already partnered with people in India and other places to do this because the easiest way to get everybody on an identity uh, id card and id rolls is well when the child goes in for their mandatory or their their vaccinations at any rate mandatory or, or otherwise when they go in for vaccinations they get a they get a child health card so that they can track the vaccinations well why don't we at that time just enroll them and enlist them in the biometric id database so they have been doing that in India already and uh, are now starting to roll it out in Africa and other places and guess what it's coming everywhere else around the world, because pretty soon the identity will not simply be uh, that's tied with your vaccines will not simply be uh, taking your fingerprints or something. There will be actually uh, Gates himself has funded and is working on quantum dot uh, dye tattoos that will be part of the vaccination process. When you receive a vaccine, this quantum dot tattoo will be embedded in your skin. It will be readable by a smartphone to show that you have had the vaccination or if it is not there, that you have not had the vaccination, and that will be tied into your biometric identification. And then we take in the other part of this agenda, which Gates, of course, is also working on and has been spearheading for at least half a decade now, uh, which is the cashless uh, society agenda, which he's talked openly about. One of the great things about this is that, well, if we have a cashless digital payment structure that's tied in with a biometric identification database, then any transaction that you want to, monitor or block, as he specifically says, well, then the U.S. government can do that. Yay, right? That's that's what the average person out there is thinking. Man, I hope that the U.S. government can have access to all of my transaction data so that they can decide what what payment should or should not go through, or any other government for that matter. Um, It is a total nightmare scenario, but all of these pieces, which seem kind of like different parts of some different unrelated matters actually all fit together like a puzzle. And it is that it is that idea of population control that unites them all. And once you start to see that, I think, I think it becomes quite apparent that this is about something much, much beyond even just vaccinations itself. This is about an entire agenda for controlling the world population.
1: Yeah. Well, so-called global problems are always going to call for so-called global solutions, as they say. So let's circle back to the the most important takeaway from the film, which is, as you said, it's not so much about the man, but it's more so about the ideology moving forward. So as we continue to navigate this post-COVID 1984 world, um, what do you think people need to understand moving forward in terms of not just Bill Gates, but the overall agenda that they are marching us towards here?
0: I think it is absolutely vital that we we grasp, and hopefully we share with other people the insight into the nature of this agenda and how these seemingly different parts of the puzzle fit together and how, uh, if we start pointing it out now, I think people will see it as it is developing. And this will be proven true in short order or proven false. Man, I wish I was wrong about all of this stuff. Um, I don't think I am, but uh, it will be come to into light in the, the daily news cycle going forward from here. You're going to start seeing, of course, I mean, what has been the thrust of all of the coverage of this COVID-19 crisis that's sweeping the world. Things will not go back to normal until we get a vaccine. And of course, it was Gates himself who was first out of the gate, so to speak, uh, with that particular um, idea being embedded in the public consciousness, which has now been reinforced by basically every public health body in the world. We need a vaccine. It's a vaccine, a vaccine, despite the fact that not only has there never been a, a coronavirus vaccine that's been developed for any coronavirus up to this point, but that in fact, coronavirus vaccines that were developed for SARS uh, showed incredible particular problems of actually making the recipients of those experimental vaccines that never got past the experimental phase making them more susceptible to infection from SARS after receiving the vaccine that's a pretty amazing and important thing to underline the only coronavirus vaccine that has ever been developed so far has actually made you more susceptible to the coronavirus it was supposed to be vaccinating you against so this idea that we need the vaccine is going to is is of course garbage at least at this point but uh, I, I think it's important that we understand that this is going to be tied in, of course, with identification and ultimately with digital payments and with surveillance and monitoring, contact tracing. All of these things are about controlling the population. And eventually, one way or another, at the end of the resolution of this COVID-19 crisis, whether it's a real crisis or it's completely made up or something in between, and whether or not the vaccine is implemented or not or what whatever eventuates from this, all of this infrastructure will be in place for, as Bill Gates himself has termed it, pandemic two, which he talks about in one of his recent Gates notes. He, He talks about this crisis that we're living through right now. He calls it Pandemic One, capital I, like World War One. And he says, we have to be prepared for Pandemic Two. Well, do you think that the Pandemic planners who were wargaming out a globally spreading coronavirus uh, just last October, just as the coronavirus was supposedly just starting to spread? Wow, what an amazing coincidence. Do you think they might have some ideas in mind for Pandemic Two? And of course, Gates has already floated the idea of biological warfare uh, and biological terrorism as being that that next stage that of this crisis that we're going to see, the pandemic too, that's coming along. Well, th- all of this infrastructure will be in place and they'll be able to snap it on. So even if we don't accept and, and, and u- ultimately this agenda doesn't get implemented in this particular crisis, it is already being prepared. The framework and the foundation is being prepared. I think they're going to try to go all the way with this. And that's why it's absolutely vital that we hopefully understand this ourselves and absolutely spread this uh, idea and this agenda to as many people as possible because it is only mass refusal, mass non-compliance with this agenda that will derail it. Because unfortunately, a lot of people, as I'm sure everyone in the audience right now, I can attest to in their own personal lives. A lot of people do not question any part of what's going on. There is some infectious disease that's spreading. It's going to kill us all. We need a vaccine. We'll take the vaccine. Oh, it has. Uh, it's tied to some sort of ID thing. Oh, whatever. Okay. And oh, we need contact tracing now. We need to, oh, you can't use cash. It's going to be dirty. With People are being indoctrinated into this very easily at this moment. And I don't know about you, Dan, but this is everything that I got into the alternative media in the first place to warn about. All of these different pieces are coming together. And unfortunately, so many people are going along with it. And as with so many other things, if they can get the majority of the people just to go along with it, not even necessarily to like it or to celebrate it, but just to go along with it, then they can implement the agenda. It is only mass noncompliance that will derail this. And we cannot have mass non-compliance unless there is mass understanding about this agenda and where it's heading.
1: I absolutely agree. It's been so troubling to me to see the amount of people who are policing one another. The state doesn't even have to do it. I mean, we got these uh, Karens, as we call them out there, who are are doing the bidding of the state by policing one another. It's just pathetic, which is why we need to raise awareness about these issues. These people are not going to understand this if they're only tuning into the mainstream media and reading mainstream articles. We have to continue to present this type of information like the video you are watching now and the four-part documentary series that James Corbett produced. Now, James, on that note, we are currently in a a serious censorship battle when it comes to uh, posting this information online. YouTube is really cracking down on this type of information. I think your first part one is nearly at a million views. The other parts should be closely following, but it almost seems like they're being slowly shadow banned. Uh, what's your plan moving forward? Because we know that, you know, this content is probably not going to exist for all that long on this platform. Um, So I'm sure you've already thought of this well ahead of of time, um, so that people can view this elsewhere other than YouTube. But what are your thoughts uh, uh, moving forward when it comes to the masses trying to learn about this information, when you've got companies like Google and YouTube just silencing it at every turn?
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that's an exceptionally important point to all of this. And to be honest, I am personally surprised, specifically that part two of the Bill Gates series, Bill Gates plan to vaccinate the world has survived on YouTube to this point, because that clearly is, uh, I think, flirting with the YouTube's new draconian censorship policies of anything that questions anything to do with health related matters is going to be instantly instantly yeah, yeah, instantly banned because of harmful content. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I'm surprised that's existed so far, but I can attest to the fact that, yes, uh, in terms of shadow banning, as has become the norm, and I'm kind of used to it at this point, but I, I do note that if you, e- even if you type uh, the exact titles of these videos into the YouTube search bar, you will not find my video of it including you know bill gates plan um, how bill gates monopolized global health a very specific phrase that you think would have a specific specific result like maybe the video that was recently posted that has a million views No, 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 no. You can find it being reposted on other people's channels with a few hundred views. You cannot find it a link to my channel by searching the title like that. And I've pointed this out before. In fact, it came out a couple of years ago that, yes, as uh, a Google insider revealed, there was a blacklist that was created around certain search terms like Federal Reserve. And specifically, I I pointed to uh, my Century of Enslavement documentary. It was, for a long period of time, the first YouTube search result for Federal Reserve. And after they instituted the blacklist, immediately it's unsearchable. Um, interestingly, and this I, I, I'd like to get to, to hear your take on this. I've noticed since this whole COVID-19 whatever crisis started to arise, certain filters that were in place seem to have been lifted. And I've noticed that my videos were getting recommended to people more often. And there has been a huge surge in subscribers on my YouTube channel. I am very skeptical about this. And I think that there is a sort of trap that's being laid here that they're going to allow alt media, the the rope with which to hang themselves, essentially. Oh, look at these conspiracy theorists spreading this disinformation. And then when they create the second wave, which we've been told is coming, then they'll be able to point to this and say, look, it's because of this this disinformation and these people advocating for freedom. They were the ones that killed your grandma. I I have a feeling that that's what they're doing at the moment, but I have noticed some lifting of the censorship. But of course, with this Bill Gates series in particular, no, they brought down the banhammer. hammer. And of course, my take on this is exactly the same as it was a year ago, two years ago, five years ago. No, people need to wean themselves off of the GooTube beast. It is not your friend. This is literally, really, this is not an analogy. It is an information war. And Google is the enemy in that war. They are, they are an enemy of people who are trying to fi- find truth and spread information in a free and open manner. They are not your friend. And the, to be allowed to use an enemy information weapon system against itself I, can you you know obviously the enemy is not going to allow you to do that forever so i've never planned on this information being always and forever accessible on youtube i will use their information weapon system uh, as long as they allow me to but i am very very much prepared to be taken off it that's why i post all of my videos to my own server it is at corbettreport.com. you can download it directly from my website completely for free. I'm also up on BitChute. I'm also up on Minds.com. I'm also up on Library, L-B-R-Y. So I hope people will use this opportunity to start exploring some of those alternative ways of reaching this information because I can guarantee you going forward, it's going to be at harder and harder to find this information, and eventually it will be wiped out completely.
1: Well, James, I've had the exact same experience and thought the exact same thing as you, is that I've been capped at a certain amount of subscribers for the last year, almost a year and a half, not gaining a single new subscriber for well over a year, and then all of a sudden, the floodgates have opened up. They've, they've, lit, they've opened up the gates, they've taken the, the red tape off, and all of a sudden I'm getting views again, I'm getting subscribers again, and I too am very suspicious Google is the enemy. Why are they doing this? Um, and I would I would have to agree. It seems that it's moving towards uh, 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 bringing us into a place that's not going to be good, which is why we need to continue to migrate our audiences off of this platform and onto the ones, like you said, BitChute, Library, Mimes. There's a whole bunch of really good decentralized platforms now that are popping up left, right, and center as a hedge against this censorship because they want this information and they want people to have access to this information. So I think moving forward, James, we, we, we really need to start uh, promoting these other platforms and, and posting there. Of course, we'll still post to, to YouTube, as you said, because uh, this is where the masses are. This is where we, we reach a, a great deal of people. But I hope we can bring them over to these other platforms um, uh, to, uh, to, to watch your work and, and to continue to learn about these things moving forward. Otherwise, they're simply not going to be able to. Uh, so in closing, James, um, where is, is, is the best place to go right now for everybody to, uh, um, to bone up on, on your Bill Gates documentary? Would it be uh, CorbettReport.com slash Gates?
0: That is exactly right. CorbettReport.com slash Gates, G-A-T-E-S, will take you to the complete documentary. All four parts are posted up. I have the BitChute version of that video embedded there in the page, but I also have links to YouTube and Minds and LBRY and links to download the both the video and the audio directly from my servers. And the complete hyperlinked transcript is there. This is a resource that I have uh, I, I don't want to. I don't want to give anyone a, a get sympathy or whatever. But I have worked myself to the bone for the past month. As has my video editor, Brock West. We have been working round the clock for a month on the crazy project of making this two-hour feature-length documentary from scratch in one month. I cannot stress how insane (laughs) that project has been, but at any rate, it is done and it is a resource. I really hope people will take advantage of that because, again, please do not just trust me or blindly listen to what I say. Please go and look through the transcript and look, if you find something interesting and you want to know more, the, the link will be there for further information so that you can start to collect. And connect these pieces for yourself. Of course, I encourage people to share CorbettReport.com slash Gates with other people if they want to, to bring other people to this information. But actually, it's probably more effective if you really familiarize yourself with this material and understand it from the inside out so that you can engage people in your own conversation about this information rather than Pointing them to, oh, here's Corbett Report. And then they'll go to the fact checker site and go, well, Corbett Report is a biased conspiracy site. I won't look at that. And that's about as far as most people get. We have to understand this information enough that we can hold intelligent conversations about it with other people. And uh, that, unfortunately, it does take work. I mean, there's no shortcut to it. You have to put in the, the time and effort. But I guarantee once people start researching this information for themselves, they will start to see see this picture. And I hope I've been able to paint that, but I hope people will start seeing it for themselves so that they don't have to sit there and point to my painting. They can create their own painting and share it with other people. As I say, the most important thing we can do is to share this understanding of this broader agenda right now so that we can derail it by mass noncompliance.
1: James, you've painted the picture with a masterful stroke. I really hope people will watch it, digest it, understand it, share it and uh and 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 continue to support your efforts moving forward so on behalf of of everybody who's interested in this information again i want to thank you for taking all the time and the effort that it takes to to compile a two hour long feature documentary uh and and to put it out there uh, for free as a resource for people to use folks this is something that you can share with your friends and your family and people who are skeptical, and it's also something that you can use as a resource to really bone up on this info so you really know what you're talking about when you want to you know, uh, share this kind of information with your friends and family who might be skeptical about what you think about these things. Um, study this documentary, share it with your friends and family, and uh, again, James, fantastic work, phenomenal work, you and Brock West. really again ought to be proud of the work you've done folks links are located in the description below again i'm going to strongly encourage you to first watch the film if you haven't seen it then watch it again digest the information and then share the info far and wide james corbett once again man thank you so much for joining us here today you keep up the great work my friend
0: thank you dan for helping to uh, spread the word on this as i as we both No, this is the most important information that uh, exists right now. And I'm glad that you're helping to spread the awareness of it.
1: Absolutely. Take care, man. See ya. We all want truth. truth. The truth will set you free.